Mike, something that's been you know, somewhat popular, especially in the last few years, uh, and then it was popular again in the uh, you know the earlier 20th, 20th century, excuse me, is, uh, is protest music, man. So tell me, if whenever I say protest music, what's the first thing that like kind of comes to your head? Uh, Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> that's funny. I have them written down uh, in here as one of my bands. You know what I mean? But that that's pretty much your. Uh, Whenever you think of an American, you know, protest style music, I think Rage Against the Machine is one that comes to a lot of people's minds, especially people that grew up the way that we grew up, you know, two uh, middle class white guys living in, you know, North Dallas area. Uh, Rage Against the Machine was definitely a big thing. What's funny is now, uh, actually, (laughs) recently, a lot of people have been coming out and showing the anti-support of Rage Against the Machine and, you know, Tom Morello, the, the guitar players like, well, we've been playing protest music since we began have y'all ever actually listened to our music <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. but yeah no rage is definitely you know one of the big ones that i can think of you know another one that kind of later in life turned into more of a protest style music is like green day you know um you've also got your band such as like a u2 but then you know over on you know a couple of other different sides you've also got people like kendrick lamar uh, Donald Glover, Childish Gambino, uh, Gambino, excuse me, that are that are making protests more modernized protest music now. But uh, Mike, what I mean, if you think of Rage Against the Machine, can you think of maybe the oldest protest song that you can think of? I mean, I know um, that you know those were from the '90s, but do you know any from before or anything like that? Uh not that I can. Let's see. Let me think on that for just a moment. Sure. Sure. I can't I can't name a protest song. No. Nothing really no. comes to mind. You know, I, I kind of really think strongly of like, yeah, that 90s, early 2000 kind of rock, you know, anti um, system or trying to think of a better word to say, but like the anti-establishment type music. Yes. Yes. I'd say that's probably where I can remember it's most strongly or when it kind of came about. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I think it became more popularized then. I think that's definitely uh, something you can go with, but Mike, uh, actually some of the earliest protest music were actually, or at least what music historians would consider some of the earliest protest music uh, were actually kind of like chants and easy lyrical, like little ditties, you know what I mean? So there have been, uh, protest music going back. I mean, centuries, they've been going on for a long, long time. Um, but here in America, it was really started, uh, by a protest song that was really more of that chant, easy lyrical styling that we're talking about. Uh, it was called Free America, and it was by Joseph Warren, and he was an American Minuteman, right? And this was kind of his uh, 
is owed to freeing America from British control. And that is what a lot of people would consider the first true protest song here in America. But the first protest song that really uh, gathered people's hearts and minds and got out there way out there in the wide reaches was something you probably wouldn't believe. Would you like to take a guess at a song that you've heard for probably as long as you've been alive, been put to many, many, many different uh, lyrics have been put to this, and the tune has been used over and over and over again, but what nursery rhyme, and I'll give you that hint, do you think it was actually a protest song for the American Army? Ooh, I think I can... Honestly, now I'm trying to think of nursery rhymes. I don't even know. Um, or like a child song, nursery rhyme, whatever you want to say there. Something that you would expect to hear a child sing. And it does involve macaroni. Uh, I'm going to have to go with uh, phone a friend. Do I have any lifelines <laughs> on this for this question? I, you, absolutely, you can phone a friend. You can absolutely phone a friend. The only problem is I'm the only friend on the phone. So I'll just go ahead and tell you. It's Yankee Doodle Dandy. Yankee Doodle Dandy is actually one of the earliest protest songs in America. It was actually made by British officers. Um, British soldiers kind of came up with this song. But as soon as the Americans started whooping their ass, they started singing Yankee Doodle Dandy kind of like as a, like, fuck you <laughs> to the British. Like, okay, you made a song about us. Now we're whipping your ass. Now we're going to sing it back to you. You know what? I honestly feel like at one point in time I've heard that before. I feel like I should kind of should have known that since, you know, I do like my history a good bit, but I, I can believe it. Right, right. And whenever I read it, I don't know if I had heard it before or not, but it just kind of blew my mind. Uh, it's pretty funny, you know, as I said, this has been used as a nursery rhyme or, you know, child song, whatever. And there's so many of those like childhood songs and everything like that that you go back to and you look up and man, they actually had a lot darker meaning. But, you know, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the protest music. So, but yeah, I just, I found that to be an interesting little tidbit there uh, about the Yankee Doodle Dandy. But the first song that, um, that I've been able to find that, or at least to me that I could find, uh, that was recorded in kind of a modern style fashion and really broadcast out to a lot, you know, large audience that was uh, somewhat in an entertainment form, but also again as a protest. Is a song by Miss Billie Holiday. Now it was re actually written by Abel Mirapol. I hope I'm saying that right. I I'm not 100% positive. It's M E E R O P O L. So I believe it's Mirapol. Um, but it's called Strange Fruit. Mike, I actually asked you to listen to this song right before we came on air. So it's only been about 10 minutes since you listened to it. So can you go ahead and give me some kind of reaction before we even get into what it is? Just kind of tell me um, the feeling and the thought that went into listening to this. Um, Actually, it kind of took me a second to realize how it didn't seem like a dark song. But then once it, it took me a second to catch the meaning behind it and realize how it's extremely dark, but very like representative of that time and what the people were struggling with i mean and it's it's horrible that those things happen but absolutely absolutely and um for anybody that didn't catch from the title mike can you tell them what the strange fruit actually is uh southern americans uh hanging from the trees yes yes southern african americans at that uh, hanging in trees that that's kind of 
a um, a way it was said back in the day. Um, it was, of course, in the South, a lot of lynchings, a lot of hangings and that kind of thing were happening to African-American folks. And it, it kind of became, a, I don't. I don't know exactly how to say what I'm trying to say here, but it kind of became a different way to say it without uh, addressing it completely, but never cutting off that callous, um, poignant kind of, hey, these are people that are hanging. You know what I mean? It was a way to to kind of say it without saying it, if you would. But um, this song was written again by Abel Mirapol. Um, it was written after he was, you know, he saw the lynchings of J. Thomas Shipp and Abraham F. Smith. Now, these were black uh, men. They had been arrested for being suspects in a robbery and murder case. And um, before they really got a fair trial, they were pulled out by a crowd of about 5,000 people in Marion, Indiana, and hung um, to the point. And they were hung and beaten and just, I mean, these bodies were absolutely gruesomely done. Um, if you look at the photo, there's a famous photo by Lawrence Bet- uh, Bettler, and it's just the carnage and the fact that you see all these white folks standing around and staring at two men swinging by their necks until death and treating it as an event. Uh, that that's what this song kind of came out in protest about. And, you know, this it's got a lot of backlash, honestly. And, the, you know, it was obviously taken up in the black community. It was became a very important song and kind of set a precedent in that protest music. But, uh, Billie Holiday, she she had a hard time after singing this. You know, she's kind of started out singing in clubs and things like this. And, of course, she did get um, some notoriety from this, you know, again, within the black community. And some, I don't want to say abolitionists, but some, some folks that, you know, didn't believe in racism and that kind of thing. Um, th- this was the song that, I don't want to say ruined this lady's career because she did somewhat continue on but you can see that her career at least with white america kind of came crashing down after this so uh, very very strong for her to come out and record this and it is again the earliest modern style protest song that i could find and so um, definitely had to admit or not admit i had to put this in there in this little bit um now, there were also a couple... We're going to talk about another one because uh, another lady that had a song here in just a minute. Uh, but want to go ahead and get into this folk-style music first. And What do you know about maybe the greatest, per- the greatest musician that couldn't sing of all time, Woody Guthrie? <laughs> uh, give me a song that he uh, sung because I can't, I can't play... This Land is Your Land. He wrote that song. That that's his big protest song, and it's used uh, incorrectly <laughs> by a lot of folks. Do you know the song I'm speaking of? This land yes. is your land. Okay. Okay. So that was actually written by Woody Guthrie about the poor inheriting the earth. Uh, a lot of folks will kind of use that as a uh, as a hey, we're all patriots and this and that and da 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 da. You know, and sure, absolutely, if that's what it you know. If you get that kind of meaning from it, great. I'm not going to tell you you're absolutely wrong on that. But Woody Guthrie grew up dirt poor. I mean, as poor as poor could be, right? And he wrote that song talking about um, the way that kind of the rich and the powerful and all that kind of stuff were starting to take over um, 
take over America. And, you know, this song was written a long time ago, but it still holds very, very true today. Oh, yes. I, I can wholeheartedly agree with that statement. Yeah, so I'm looking in, I'm looking up here, old Mr. Woody Guthrie. I want to uh I want to make sure that I get this exactly right. Uh so there, you know, we all pretty much know the song. This land is your land, this land is my land. Da-da-da-da. You know, we all know the yeah. song. But there there's actually a stanza that's been taken out of this song and it's one that not a lot of people have heard. So it says was a high wall there that tried to stop me. A sign was painted, said private property. But on the back, it didn't say nothing. This land was made for you and me. So that, of course, is not pertaining to, you know, anti-racism or anything like that. But just kind of the, the, the control that was being taken over by certain parts of America And this was a very popular style of music as well. Back in, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, there was a lot of songs, you know, that were protesting the the establishment, the man, if you would. Uh, Another one that comes to my mind is uh, Tennessee Ernie Ford, his song um, 16 Tons. I don't know if you've ever heard that one before, but uh, lots of lots of music protest like kind of more of the 90s style that we're talking about you know again a lot of that has to deal with some of the racism and everything like that but he was kind of one of the guys that really started this style of talking about hey you know all the rich are trying to get a leg up on us here guys and we need to start making sure that we all know that this country that we fought for was supposed to be free for all of us oh of course i mean what is the slogan Bring us your tired, bring us your poor, bring us your hungry. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what's There's one more line to that, isn't there? Let me see. We can look it up real quick. Let me see. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Okay, so I, I kind of paraphrase that statement there. Yeah, no, you... Yeah, and I think it's a good job. And again, it says, Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses, yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. So, and that is on the Statue of Liberty um, that, that's on the monument there. So, uh, that is what the Liberty is supposed to be, and it's called the New Colossus. I think a lot of times we, uh, American people, and as a general kind of population, we forget that statement. Uh, especially, you know, and again, it's not the topic for today, but, you know, things like that, uh, when you get into the topics of like irrig- um, uh, immigration and those kind of things, it's it's kind of crazy to see the way that, you know, everything that I think was supposed to be in place has kind of been flipped on its head. Uh, but Mike, I can tell you the first protest song that I can tell you that I knew was a protest song that I liked uh, and this was from quite a long time ago. And a lot of people, if you've seen uh, The Watchmen, you know, that's a pretty popular movie with people our age. You've seen this. Uh, Mike, do you know Bob Dylan? Yeah, I'm I'm aware of Bob Dylan. Yeah, so times are a-changing. Uh, of course, that is one of the, the biggest protest songs of all time uh, that really folksy, easygoing, 
Um, just the crooning there of Bob Dylan, uh, something about that song, it, it makes you reflect. You know, there. I think there's a couple of different types of protest music where there's the type that gets you, um, I don't want to say angry, but it gets you more engaged with the topic in an emotional standpoint. And then there's the songs like Times Are Changing that really just make you sit down and reflect what's actually going on. Oh, of course, yeah. That one's definitely you know an inward reflection and not an outward, you know, kind of a call to action, outward display. Yeah, but um, the one thing that I didn't know until I started doing a little bit of research on this, but uh, Bob Dylan actually didn't want to be seen as a central figure in the central rights move or civil rights movement, but his music, of course, was picking up or picked up and. And used a lot by the civil rights movement so it was just when i found that i and i never really found in a good explanation why but i would be interested to figure that out if anybody does find that information please let me know uh but there's a reason i kind of held off on this oh and you know let me i do want to go back and say one thing since i did miss it uh back on woody guthrie there i gotta say maybe the coolest instrument i've ever seen is Woody Guthrie's guitar, and it's not, uh, for anything really, it, it's not a super special guitar or anything like that, but Mike, <laughs> on every guitar he had, he had a big sign, or it was just straight written on there, this machine kills fascists, and I think it's just the coolest fucking sticker I've ever seen. <laughs> that's that's true, and that's, that's pretty badass. That is, and that's why this—that's why we're talking about this protest music. Hopefully, if somebody out there is uh, more musically inclined than we are, uh, you know, uh, we're trying to get across how how this music has shaped a lot of the ways and things, and how they have been—they've made a lasting impact, you know, on continuing on um, the fights beyond. But uh, so, Mike, as we said, there's kind of a a type of music that's more reflective, and there's another type of music that is more reactionary and i gotta say nina simone uh she hit that reactionary right on the damn head have you ever heard of nina simone and her song mississippi goddamn ah not that i can recall i might have but all right well let me tell you nina simone she is a freaking queen bro born february 21st 1933 in north carolina uh, she was an R&B, jazz, blues, folk, soul, classical, gospel, whatever you want to say. She just she had it, man. And let me tell you what her song Mississippi Goddamn. Uh, that was the I can say in my research that was the first time a lady, true, you know, an African American woman or really an African American of any type, really just put it out there. You know, she pardon the phrase here, but she really pulled the balls out and set them on the table and said, here, motherfuckers, here's what you got. Uh, Mississippi goddamn. She writes a song that literally condones the South. She just talks about, hey, y'all want to try and act like we're, you know, awful, terrible, horrible people. Um, you know, we're going to, you're going to integrate us and make us white folk just like you. It ain't going to happen. You ain't going to keep killing us. And uh, you just this shit's going to end up stopping one of these days. One way, shape, form, or another, uh, it, it was going to stop. And I, I don't know if you've ever heard it. If you haven't heard it, you know, you or anybody that's out there listening, uh, boy, that is a song you need to listen to. One of my favorite lines here was, um, 
and you know, a lot of, let me, before I give this line, let me kind of set this up here, frame this for a little bit here. Go slow was an idea that was in the South for integrating schools. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but it was kind of a, uh, kind of a thought process of whenever I, well, not even integrating just schools, but integration period, there was this thought of go slow and they, the Southern States wanted to just slowly 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 let black people have a little bit so you know if they wanted a a glass of tea the first thing you would do is give them like a tea bag and then you're going to give them a little bit of water and then you might give them a pot and then you might give them some sugar over you know and giving them all this stuff over the course of you know a hundred years or so so that was kind of the idea there uh nina simone wrote this saying hey look motherfuckers we're not going to keep doing this stuff we're coming out we're equal we're right there with you uh and this line that i've been getting to is picket lines school boycotts they say it's all a communist plot all i want is equality for my sister brother my people and me and that's what Miss Nina Simone was all about. I can agree with that. Yeah, yeah, amazing. That's pretty badass. I mean, that's yeah. And I just, in today's context, with protests and things that are happening, and kids having to wear masks at school, so people are not letting their kids go to school because they'd have to wear masks. I mean, this stuff. Of course, this is about racial equality, uh, but the. This could be turned around and used so much today. Picket lines, school boycotts. They try and say it's a communist plot. Damn, is that not what we're hearing today in 2020? Oh, they love to preach that. Like, oh, it's fascist. It's communism. You know, they they like to throw those big words, which, you know, I'm like, I'm, I question like, all right, do you even really know what you're spouting? I think they just use those words to... You know, because, you know, oh, we fought communism, we fought fascism, you know, and they try and use those to get a response out of you before, you know, to kind of keep you from thinking about it. And like, wait, hold on a second. You know, they're just like, oh, well, I'm on the board. I'm a, I'm not for communism. Like, yeah, I'm with that. Exactly. Exactly. So that, like I said, we're going to have kind of a this was kind of my linear part here. This is really just about all I've got. I've just I found these. Uh, four particular artists and songs and things. I found them as kind of instrumental in the things that have been um, the way that things have gone on now. But uh, so let's go ahead. I'm going to move into uh, let's go ahead and kind of open it more up here. I do just want to talk about um, the way that music can spread ideas, the way that music can help um solidify a certain thought or idea or expression from somebody and uh, kind of make them feel more kind of that group feeling you know what i mean like mike you know your your grandfather he served our our, uh, our military well in the air force for a long time and matter of fact he was a drill sergeant for a long time and i bet you he has told you about team building exercises before and the chance and the things that people did and how it kind of drew draws people together to be in sync over something that's even slightly musical oh yeah i mean that's I don't know if you've ever seen, uh, I guess the best way I can explain it is, uh, 
you know, just about any movie about, you know, the army or something coming to the army. Full now, metal jacket. Yeah. Full metal jacket. You know, when they're te- when they're first in training and they're learning to march, well, that's mm-hmm. one of the ways they have, you know, start chanting to get people in rhythm and sync with each other. Yes, exactly. And in the profession of similar ideas and knowing that the person that's next to you buys into the same thing and that, you know, it, it was the same thing we did playing football or you, well, you didn't play football, but you know, I played football back in the day and it was the same thing that we did. We had chants and songs and, um, I had a coach, I won't name him by name, but coach B, uh, man, he had this chant that we would do after practice on Friday or uh, Thursdays, getting ready for Friday's game, and you know, it's just all the, the sense of camaraderie from it is just a. It's something that you can't explain unless you're into it. So, uh, again, this is a plea to all those young magicians, uh, not magicians. Well, if you're a young magician, uh, if you could find a way to, you know, disappear all the fascists, I would be just fine with that as well. But if you're a musician, if you can write a good protest song to kind of build people together, I think it's a really good one. But, Mike, not all protest songs have to necessarily bring people together in a, in a, intellectual way okay now one of the most popular uh protest songs i guess you could say of the heavy metal genre is by the dead kennedys and it's called nazi punks fuck off it's an it's about a one and a half minute song and it is literally a one and a half like heavy 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 punk song just pretty much screaming over and over fuck off nazi punks do they make that in a ringtone <laughs> I'm sure you could definitely buy it on Apple or something like that and make it your ringtone. I'm sure you absolutely could. And then another song, uh, as I said, that was by the Dead Kennedys, and another song that uh, people may know because it was on Guitar Hero back in the day is Holiday in Cambodia. You remember that song from Guitar oh, Hero? Oh, of course. Yeah, man. So, song. right, right. And so I, I was, you know, reading through the lyrics and everything recently and kind of going through it, and I never really. You know, when you're playing the song, and I never really listened to the Dead Kennedys, if I'm being honest with you, but when I started going back through it, that song is actually telling all the little rich kids from here in America to quit bitching about your problems, because if you want to know some real problems, go take a holiday in Cambodia and see what it's like. So that's what the song actually means. I heard you can get a lobster dinner for under a dollar. Well, that that sounds positive, but that, not everything in Cambodia is positive. I promise you, my friend. Oh, I'm just kidding. I say if those that <laughs> can uh, recognize that reference from the original Men in Black movie, I couldn't help myself with that one. I don't remember that from the original Men in Black, and I've seen that probably 50 times. So when, how when, mm. when they're going for the the movie rental store, uh, was it the Lord of Zorgon or uh, the the movie and they're upstairs right before they flash him. The boyfriend's telling his girlfriend that, you know, oh, or his girlfriend's like, Oh, I can get a pretty good lobster dinner there for a dollar. No, I don't. I'll have to go look it up and see, but, um, that could be the, we've always, we've needed an inside joke. So that could be our inside joke there. So that's good, man. <laughs> but, uh, Mike, another form of protest music took off in the year of our Lord, 1988, with the release by N.W.A., Fuck the Police. 
<laughs> and let's talk about fuck the police for a second. Now, of course, as we all know, uh, that's uh, or at least if you've seen, you know, straight out of Compton or if you read any bio about NWA, that song was actually written straight after NWA was fucked with by a bunch of cops, and one of the cops there was black, and the, you know, Ice Cube literally just went right into the booth and started spitting that out. Yep, and I honestly am surprised I. We were talking about protest songs. That was not one that immediately came to mind, even though, I mean, it's probably the most uh, obvious. Right. And that song changed everything. You know, the way that protest music was even done. You know, before you're looking at people like, you know, Sam Cooke and Marvin Gaye, you know, kind of in the 60s, 70s era, that, that's where your protest music was coming from. You know, from kind of your more love ballad type guys and all that kind of stuff. But really, whenever NWA hit the scene, it became straight up, we're calling it out, we're telling you how it is, and we're not going to be apologetic about the way we feel. Yeah, not desensitizing it, not using symbolism. Like this means that, like, no, we're th- this is exactly what is going on. Right, right. And then in 1989, a uh, a young man named Spike Lee <laughs> made himself a movie, and the big song that came out of that was "Fight the Power" by Public Enemy. Can you remember that one? Oh yes. But yeah, so Fight the Power, that you know, that's a song that I, I'd heard before, you know, and it seems like a lot of times you hear that kind of kind of used in more of a not so much a powerful thing. I don't know, I've seen it in like sports movies and stuff like that beyond. But, you know, those are kind of the late 80s, early 90s. Like you said, this is kind of where all that stuff comes from. And then you do have the birth of a band called Rage Against the Machine. And man, uh, when they hit the scene, I don't know if anybody has cut to the core of the bullshit with protest music rather than Rage Against the Machine, and especially Zach De La Rocha. Uh, you know, he's the one who writes, wrote most of the lyrics for Rage Against the Machine. And, I mean, just uh, powerful, powerful music. Oh, yeah, I still listen to it today. Oh, absolutely, 100%. Like... You know, killing in the name of man. That that song has especially had a resurgence in you know the past days, and you know that song was written in the early '90s, man, and it was written about Rodney King, and yet here it is, 2020, and we're stealing with the, the same bullshit they've been singing about for 30 years now. Yeah, it kind of makes me sad that it's still relevant because you know, it, I mean, if we would hopefully you know kind of gotten over these these things and we've been dealing with you know this music wouldn't it wouldn't be relevant anymore big people like what why is he saying these things like that's you know it doesn't make sense but it still hits home just the same right right exactly well so again folks you know we me and mike we're not music historians we're nothing like that um but i just wanted to get out there how much you know music can really do for a protest movement and that kind of thing. And the the main reason I say that is there hasn't really been a whole ton that's been dropped recently. Now I know it's probably because it's more of a boots on the ground situation, but uh, I'm just kind of waiting on somebody to really put out that big, um, that big banger that kind of brings everybody together, you know, but before we do take off, I want to mention one other band, um, one other 
uh, group that, man, Mike, as you know, I absolutely love these guys. Um, they're one of my favorite bands of all time. Uh, I've loved this song for a long, long, long time. Um, but in recent days, brother, I think this song particularly, especially seeing some of the... I know there's probably not a lot of African-American folks, Hispanic folks, that kind of stuff, listening to this music, uh, especially you know this band, this song, whatever. Um, but I'm seeing a lot of white folks that are doing a lot of dumb stuff, kind of hurting the cause of BLM and the protests and things like that. A lot of dumb things being done by white folks. Um, and I know there's a lot of white folks that listen to this band still. Mike, sublime is a fucking problem. <laughs> what? What? Explain. Okay. Have you heard the song April 29th, 1992? Possibly, I'm honestly not super familiar. Besides, of course, they're you know more iconic and popular songs. Yeah. So this one is about the riots. Um, I believe it was the L.A. riots that were going on. I believe is the one they're talking about in this. But so this is basically a big anthem to absolute destruction during a riot. So first song. Our first stanza in the song, April 26, 1992, there was a riot in the streets. Tell me, where were you? You were sitting home watching your TV while I was participating in some anarchy. So a lot of lyrics like that. Then you've also got, you know, these kind of lyrics right here. They said it was for the black man. They said it was for the Mexican and not for the white man. But if you look at the streets, it wasn't about Rodney King. It's about this fucked up situation and these fucked up police. It's about coming up and staying on top and screaming 187 on a motherfucking cop. It's not written on the paper. It's on the wall. National Guard smoke from all around. That's a fucking problem. Yeah, because I mean, it's you don't want to incite violence. Right, and the, another problem with this is that it's a very catchy song. It's got an incredible beat. It's got a great melody to it. It's just an excellent song. But man, the 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 emotion that Bradley Norwell sings with, and that's the lead singer of this band um, before he passed away. Um, you know, the passion he sings with, man, it's one of those things where it really, you know, how we were talking about before, kind of a reflexive or a, you know, an action, a call to action almost type protest song. And unfortunately, that's what this is. And, you know, this idea of causing destruction and mayhem and everything like that, while I personally don't, I'm not going to condemn it. Um, there is this bullshit that's this racism and systematic racism and things that have been going on have been going on for too long so at this point i kind of now why i don't condone it i also understand um kind of the idea of causing some damage maybe to try and open people's eyes but i think whenever you're somebody with um with that kind of influence and everything now these guys weren't really famous whenever this song got written they really became more famous after uh, the lead singer's death so it was kind of more of a posthumous famous but you know just the kind of as you said the incitation of violence that these kind of songs can create i i think protest music needs to be more about the gathering of these people to you know, defeat the fascism, the racism, all that other bullshit, rather than trying to literally eradicate 
you know, your opposition. Because then if you're trying to eradicate your opposition, then why are you Yeah, yeah you start, you know, yeah, you don't stoop to their level. You do not stoop to stupid, because when you go down to their level, they'll will beat you every time with experience. Yes, that's it. That's exactly it. Well, Mike, brother, that's that's about all I got for the protest music today. Now, since let's go ahead and get the elephant out of the room here and let's go ahead and speak on. So we did. Obviously, y'all haven't heard from us in a couple of weeks. So a couple of weeks ago, that first week that we missed, uh, we we had recorded an episode. We were going to be bringing it out to you. And Mike, it just turned out awful. (laughs) It was not a very good episode. Um, We, you know. We're, we're still new in this again, but we do want to bring you quality content. We don't want to waste your time. Um, honestly, if we waste your time, you're probably not going to come back and listen to us again. So I uh, decided not to release that one. And then last week, Mike, uh, between you know your schedule, I actually had a birthday going on. Or, you know, I had a birthday that happened and uh, a bunch of other stuff going on. And honestly, the opening of NFL weekend and things like that, uh, we just – just didn't get to do it, but now we're going to be back. We're going to be, you know, coming as often as we can. If we are going to be having a break, then we'll, you know, let you know if we'll be having a break from then on. But that's kind of what happened. So there's that. And, you know, I always like to try and end it on some kind of positive. So, Mike, what can you tell us positive has happened? Oh, this week? man, it's been an all right. Uh, say you've been had some pretty good weekends. The weather is cooling off here in Texas, which those of our native texans are uh very oh, happy that. it's been pretty freaking hot out here and we've gotten some rain uh i oh hope uh, we can bless uh the west coast with some rain with all the fires going on and i hope the best mm-hmm. for everyone out there i mean it's just it's horrible what's going on out there um and for some closing words uh something uh, i remember my grandfather having used to have a little plaque on his desk, wooden gold plaque that had it inscribed upon it. It's hard to soar with eagles when you work with turkeys. Just remember (laughs) who you keep around and in your circle. If they're not helping you move up, they're only going to bring you down. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not saying that if somebody, you know, doesn't agree with you and that kind of thing, you can't, you know, keep them as friends and that kind of thing, but just, keep in mind if they're not helping you to at least um at least keep kind of keep an eye open on that situation there well mike i've got a positive for you as you know we record these on sundays today is september 20th mike my cowboys went down 20 to nothing in the first quarter uh, and then we're down by 15 in the fourth quarter end up coming back and winning it 40 to 39 on a last second field goal to get the first win of the year. So I am flying high on cloud nine today. The fact that my Cowboys came back after a historic victory like that. So big deal for me. Absolutely loved it. Also uh, got to go down uh, to North Dallas again, to go see my folks this weekend, to see my other grandparents. And uh, it was really nice. It's been a good, good little time. So appreciate them for letting me come down. Appreciate my Cowboys for getting a big win and, Appreciate you all for being here. We will talk to you next week.